Hello, this is Deb from Deb's Data Dojo, part of the Calling All Beings podcast network. Today I'm speaking to Earl Gray Anderson, who is the Southern California State Director of MUFON. He is a member of MUFON's Experiencer Support Group, the ERT Group, also known as Experiencer Resource Team. He is the host of the Experiencer Workshops that have been shown at the MUFON Symposium and he has investigated over 900 UFO reports. He has been interviewed for shows like Unidentified with Demi Lovato and a variety of other programs, including an upcoming episode of Ancient Aliens. Earl teaches an accredited course on UFOlogy at the Otis College of Art and Design in LA, and he is a musician, a guitarist, a songwriter, and he has three CDs out in the world. The link for that will be included in his description. Welcome, Earl. Hi, Deb. How are you doing? I'm doing well. It's good to have you here. I'm excited. Um, we were already chatting for those listening beforehand, and there were so many things we were already touching on that I wanted to talk about. So I was like, we have to start. <laughs> <laughs> So let's start with um, your history. One thing that you haven't told me is how long have you been studying the topic of UFOs and the phenomenon? Oh, wow. I could take up the whole program, actually. <laughs> um, well, let me tell you a little bit about my mother, who passed away in 1999. But I, I've been... Uh, I think because of her, I've been interested in this phenomenon all of my life. I've, I've, you know, when I was younger, I waffled on, on whether it was real or not. But according to my mom, uh, she, she worked for Howard Hughes, uh, back in the 1950s. She was one of Howard Hughes's two personal secretaries. Uh, at that point, he was a complete germaphobe. He was uh, a misanthrope, <laughs> did not like other humans very much. He kept to himself um, as long as my mom worked. My mom worked for him through from like uh, 1955, I think, until I was born at the end of 1958. Um, but she uh, she used to be sent out to do his bidding, more or less. He, he didn't like uh, human contact at that point. But he had, you know, at the same time, he was one of the early uh, early aerospace guys who was, who was contracting out to the government. And um, so he had to deal with these people that was funding and elsewhat. Um, so my mom, when I was about five years old, now we all knew what she had done for a living. That was no surprise. Um, her best friend, we called her Aunt Ellen, Ellen Severson. Uh, she worked for the Rand Corporation, which was part of Hughes Aircraft at that time. Um, and Rand went on to build like they, they were they were good. At, apparently, they built our underground bases and things like that. Um, I know that the big Hanson Dam that we have out here in Los Angeles, it's boldly emblazoned on top, you know, built by you know, the, the Army Corps of Engineers and, and Rand Corporation was, was involved in, in that as well. Um, so my mom told me when I was five, I remember we were living in Venice, California at the time. I have a very good memory. And, and I'll, I'll just tell you up front, for some reason, all of my life, I've been obsessed with outer space. 
it's like it was born in me. I, you know, I, my earliest memories are of myself climbing up the swing set, going up to the monkey bars and, and sitting up there and waving at the sky and singing to the sky. And my mom would go, who are you waving at? Who are you singing to Earl? And I would say the space people. I'm, I'm waving and singing to the space people, mom. And, uh, well, here I am you know, 60 years later, I'm still doing the same thing, you know? Um, but anyway, uh, we had this weird conversation where mom, I think that she later on, she told me that she thought I was young enough that I would forget. And this is why she told me, she thought that I was a safe ear, you know, and she wasn't supposed to talk about any of this stuff. She signed NDAs, you know, it was, it was serious. But she told me that she worked in a little city that was under the desert. She said, you know, it was, they sent me out. My boss, Mr. Hughes, sent me out with a little security team. And it was in the middle of nowhere. The great American desert is how she described it. And she said uh, they had like a little, like a bunker, like a shack. Middle of nowhere. It didn't look like anything. She said that it looked like a tool shack or, you know, something like that. Um, but they opened this thing up and there was an elevator and she said that she and the two security guys got in there and she thought it would maybe go down a floor or two, but it kept going. And she said that she got scared. She started feeling butterflies in her stomach. She felt vertiginous, uh, vertigo. Um, but it finally slowed down, and, and and I guess it was quite a clip. She could feel it, you know, <laughs> this was a fast elevator. When the doors opened up, she said there was a little city under the desert. She said that they got around in golf carts, that there were lots of German rocket scientists that worked down there, people like uh, like like von Braun and, and, and uh, his ilk. So I... I Later on, you know, studying this stuff, I, I figured, well, yeah, it must have been, you know, uh, the project uh, or Operation Paperclip, where we, exactly. we kind of divided mm -hmm. the rocket scientists with, with Russia. And so mm -hmm. these these were our guys. This was our future space program. And, and my mom also, as years went by, you know, whenever like Werner von Braun was on, you know, the wonderful world of Disney or something on TV, my mom would go, oh, there's my friend, Werner. And she said, he's a charming man. He used to call me Betty Grace. And I said, well, he's, you say he's charming, but wasn't he a Nazi, mom? I mean, come on. <laughs> you know, This was when I was getting snarkier, you know, high school and stuff. And my mom kind of got peeved at me. She said, uh, no, he wasn't a real Nazi son. They forced him to do that. They forced him to, you know, he's a very talented man. He had very... Uh, outrageous ideas, but they were workable. And and Hitler, you know, drafted him. He had to do what he had to do, or they would have killed him. He would have been in a concentration camp or something. But uh, but no, he's he's actually a proud American now, and he was he's working for us. This was back like 1965, 66, when my mom was originally talking about this stuff. Um, the other weird thing that my mom talked about was she talked about life in outer space, and she didn't speak of it hypothetically. She spoke of it as something that she knew. Uh, she she uh, she talked about it like she was an authority on the subject that we're not alone, that that UFOs are real, um, that we're you know we're being visited, and and uh, 
anyway, I had this information that I carried around with me and I thought about it a lot. Uh, and she, I guess my mom just thought it went in one ear and went out the other, but, but I have a really good memory and I remember stuff kind of photographically. Wow. So when I was in fourth grade, I went and I gave a little lecture, like a show and tell it's 10 years old. And I talked about, you know, what, well, what do your parents do? And I talked about my dad and his, you know, landscaping business. And then I talked about my mom and how she had worked in this, this uh, facility under the desert. You know, <clears throat> by the way, she says that UFOs are real. Um, so what I remember from that day, it was probably, I guess, 1968, my mom, uh, came to school for a parent-teacher conference that, that they set. And the other kids weren't having parent-teacher conferences that day. It was like, I guess my teacher insisted on speaking with her. I don't know if she thought I was telling tall tales or something was amiss at home. So, but my mom went to the conference. I was out in the playground playing, you know, lost in space or something like usual. And she drove me home from this meeting she had with my teacher. And she said, son, I'm not angry at you. I, I didn't tell you you couldn't talk about this. How did you remember? She said, you were a baby when I told you about this stuff. How the heck did you remember it? And then she said, look, son, you're not in trouble. You didn't know it was wrong, but nobody out there knows about this. They don't know about cities under the desert. They don't know about UFOs. And, and she said, your mom could get into terrible trouble. Your mom could go to yeah. prison if you talk about it. So this is where I found out about the phenomenon. And I guess that it's been with me all my life. You know, what's um, interesting about this is that there's <laughs> two things that reinforce what your mom was telling you. In addition to all the, you know, the stories that people have said for years. One is that the original movie made about ufos that was made back in the day with the help of people like rupolt um had a german scientist that was saying you know of course there are ufos <laughs> to the <laughs> to people at blue book like have you looked into it because we know about this and of course from everything that we've heard about the germans and the nazis they would have been all over that trying to exploit that technology so oh, yeah. it's so it seems like you know, they would have looked into it. They wouldn't have had the same level of, um, you know, I don't know, avoidance that we have. You know, they would have been all about it. Um, mm -hmm. And, of course, they were there for the Foo Fighter incidents as well and all of that, too. So there's they that. They knew it was real. I mean, yeah. it was it was an active phenomenon way back then. And that was before Roswell or anything. Right. I mean, the Foo Fighters were a real thing. My dad was a B-7. And he talked about him. He thought it was a, a German secret weapon. He didn't, or right. or maybe St. Elmo's fire, something that was natural that we didn't know about. Um, but I think that it was something else. <laughs> but, the, but the other thing that's interesting is that just today I was listening to George Knapp talk about a witness who was talking about Roswell and how they took the craft basically underground so it's really interesting. Like he he couldn't say who it was, but it was someone in a big company that you know had talked to him and just would not go on record. Um, so I mean, it's just I actually 
my dad works or worked for the Pentagon. I should be clear. He has retired. Um, and I asked him about, you know, the, the bases. Cause I was like at the time trying to investigate that for my webpage. Right. And he's like, of course we have underground bases. Like, like I was an. I mean, it's a no brainer. <laughs> how do you hide stuff from the public? You you put it underground. That's how you. Hey, do it, it. It's actually a division of the government. Um, mm -hmm. The the bases. I forget what it was called exactly at the moment, but it is you know an important. Well, they call thing them. Um, they they refer to them as dumbs, deep underground military bases, dumbs. Mm -hmm. mm -hmm. Um. And if you think about it, with uh, Howard Hughes, it kind of makes sense. He he made his fortune creating a better drill bit, not not through aerospace originally. He he went into you know into aircraft and and, and was that that became his passion later on. But uh, it's not too great of a stretch that you know Rand Corporation I I think was probably building the early underground bases in uh, you know linked with Hughes, they, they were a subsidiary of Hughes. Now, like 1961 or 62, I think, uh, they, they separated and it became two distinct companies. But they were part of Hughes Aircraft up until the early 60s. Mm -hmm. um, so, and, and a better drill bit. You know, they're, they're, we know that there's such a thing called a subterrene, which melts rock. Um, Elon Musk apparently is playing with the one out here. He wants to build an underground uh, uh, maglev train to to Las Vegas <laughs> between L.A. and Las Vegas. We'll see mm. if he's successful. I kind of hope he is. It'd be nice to get to Las Vegas in you know forty five minutes. <laughs> yeah, I'd like one that goes all the way to the East Coast. That would be helpful. <laughs> well, there's rumors that they have, you know, that they have a bunch of these that go to the Pentagon and 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 all over the United States. But that is unfounded. I I don't know. Yeah. Uh, there's lots of rumors out there. That one I can't confirm for you. But uh, the underground base my mom worked in, uh, I've done a, a whole lot of research into the subject. And in my UFO cases, uh, I, I have one case where the father of this family that had a, a um, they all had a UFO sighting. The, the whole family had four hours of missing time. And mm -hmm. the father apparently worked, he was in the, he was a mucky muck in the Air Force and he was working as part of Project Blue Book. Mm -hmm. And the kids, the, the, I, I've spoken with both brothers. The old eldest brother is deceased now, but the younger brother is still with us. And uh, they told me a story about when they were about five, six years old, their dad had a bring your kids to work day. Well, mm -hmm. dad happened to work in an underground computer facility. And what the way they described it, they said it was a bunker. It was in the desert. You know, they they opened the, you know, it was all locked up, but they they were brought in there. There's a guy with a sidearm sitting at a desk, had to sign the names and stuff. And they went in the elevator and the doors opened up and it was computers as far as the eyes could see. 1961. So I wonder, maybe this was in White Sands. Uh, New Mexico, where my mom was at. I do know that Werner von Braun was actually stationed, or yes. they, they, he was working out of White Sands. So maybe. And, and one of <laughs> the more interesting engineers that I was looking into, Alexander Lippisch, 
worked at White Sands um, for a little while. Um, he moved on from there to go work for um, some other companies. But what he created looks a lot like some of the UFOs people see. He created a cigar-shaped UFO. He tried to create hmm. tailless UFO. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> aircraft. I'm sorry. I, I misspoke. Hmm. He created aircraft that looked like UFOs. And wow. he had a um, a triangle. Um, he was the one who created the comet, which was extremely deadly. None of hmm. these things that he created were considered highly effective but i think they might have either been inspired by something that he was aware of or mm. later inspired some things for us um so yeah i would definitely look into lipish he was definitely part of operation paperclip and he was at white sands as well very interesting Ooh. work that he did so. I have to check that out. You have to send me a link or something to the guy. That's that's very. I mean, anything to do with underground bases, I'm I'm interested in because of my mom's past. You know, um, so, and and later on, you know, mom, she started working as a headhunter for corporate a corporate headhunter for various aerospace companies like Lockheed Skunk Works. Uh, uh, Raytheon, Honeywell, Aerojet, all, all the major movers and shakers out there. And that's when she her, her lips were zipped for quite a few years, from about 1974 until she passed away in 1999. She was doing that. Um, it's, you know, it's just... It's she she kind of single-handedly uh, populated the Rockwell... Uh, the Rockwell Science Center in Newbury Park, California. Here, uh, she she from from the broom pushers to the computer experts and the scientists. Um, that was what my mom did. She uh, she was a headhunter for these guys. But on her death, you know, I got a little bit more from her back in 1977. Um, mm -hmm. She this is something I found out about people that worked in our early dumps is that apparently they weren't protecting them from. I think they were probably running these off of nuclear piles or something. Uh, I'm sure they were off the grid, of course. You know, Area 51 supposedly has a, a, a large underground portion to itself. And you know that they're not pulling that from, from the normal power grid. That's, that's not secretive enough. So my mom uh, kept getting cancers. Uh, and they were unrelated. Her doctor mm. told her that it, it was as if she had been radi irradiated somehow. Um, 1977, uh, she wanted me to go with her doctor. She was having a screening done. I think she was scared. Um, and it, everything came out roses. It was fine, you know? Mm -hmm. So she was in a good mood. There was a new movie playing down the street from her doctor's office called Star Wars. It'd come out two days before. There's a mm -hmm. little write-up in Time Magazine about it. So it's like, well, let's go do lunch and let's go see a movie, Mom. You know, let's celebrate. So we did, and we, we we saw Star Wars, and when the curtains closed, my mom just blah. She she I got like the the best disclosure number from her that I'd ever gotten wow. since I was five years old. She said, "Son, you have no idea how close to the truth that movie is. The different beings, the different spaceships, everything." She said, "You know, all that stuff is real, and the government knows about it." 
they're never going to tell they're never going to tell the you know the, the populace about this she said they're afraid of how people are going to react they're afraid that, that you know because of hg wells uh, radio broadcast of war of the worlds back in the 19 i guess 1930 30 i think it happened uh, people were jumping out of windows, draining bank accounts, and it, it just caused this huge uh, wave of fear that just kind of pervaded the country. And, and my mom was afraid. I, she said that they're afraid that, that we'll react badly. I just don't think we're in the same place, though. Like, I know that people mm -hmm. turn to that and they point to that as an example. We're just sort of such a different place now as a culture like we've all yeah. seen movies like close encounters and et you know we all watch documentaries about ufos you know for some of us it's like of course there are ufos you know of course there are non-human intelligence it's a really different place like back then it wasn't like something that people fully understood and you know back then it wasn't something that had immersed been immersed in our culture you know so i think totally different you know they were really I sensitive agree. about a lot of different things back then including the cold war mm, yeah like the, you know back then people were hiding under desks you know they you know, there was a lot, <laughs> duck a lot and of cover i'm that I age know. i remember it you know duck and cover like that's gonna save your butt you know if yeah. you drop a nuke on los angeles you know you get under your desk yeah right oh lordy you know what i was but, thinking about about when you mm -hmm. were talking about looking into space when i was a kid i used to lay on the slide and stare at the sky other kids mm. were playing and i would just stare at the sky and i felt like i was falling into it hmm wow I think that there are that there's a certain number of people on this planet who just have a natural propensity for this stuff, and and you are probably one of those. And I feel like I I have a propensity for this stuff. Uh, most people, I don't think, obsess on on UFOs and on alien life, but for some reason, I always have. Even when I was you know, I mean, when my mom did her disclosure thing back in 1977, it was an inconvenient truth for me because I was taking pre-seminary classes at that time. And there wasn't room for aliens in my pantheon at that point. You know, I was I was trying to, you know, I was going to become a minister. And my mom is telling me that we're not alone, that there's aliens and that they're here. Um, and, and I'll say it was inconvenient. I, I, it was like, God, I, I almost put my fingers in my ears, you know, and la, la, la kind of reaction because I didn't want to hear that at that point. A few years went by and my idea of God and the universe had grown and expanded and I wasn't keeping God in a box like a cricket or something, you know, I finally opened up a bit. And uh, then I was more receptive to what she said. But you know, it's, um, it's it's <laughs> funny though because I talk about the the religion um, aspect of this quite often, and I was just thinking, you know, there's never been a time when anyone said God lived on Earth. <laughs> like God never lived on Earth. God was always extraterrestrial. <laughs> Correct. 
God is extraterrestrial. <laughs> I mean, I've never, I've never put it that way before, but it's just, it's worth saying. And, and yeah, I think nothing... he, he or she has had avatars here, but uh, God is an extraterrestrial. <laughs> and yeah. you can interpret that how how you know to your comfort level out there in in listenership land um you know but i mean the the head of mufon's director of investigations recently said the same thing you know he said well technically god is an extraterrestrial um mm-hmm. so you know, there you go. <laughs> I know all those people who are like, no, no UFOs, no. I'm just going to be pointing this out to them if I have to deal with it. My problem is, however, that I deal with a lot of, in in my family, I deal with some atheists. Those are the mm. ones that are harder. Like they don't believe in anything. They just believe in science, yeah. and then they still don't want to believe in the science of nature existing elsewhere, which is bizarre to me. Like they just laugh at me and make fun of me and. Oh, me um, too. <laughs> yeah, like some of these gifts that I have behind me are actually like <laughs> the viewer, the listener can't view this, but you know, I have like this little stuffed alien that's from my family making fun of me. They're not trying to be nice, they're trying to make fun of me. Oh. This little, I believe, um, statue esque poster that I have, it's like a 3D poster that's them making fun of me, not being nice. <laughs> so oh. They think it's hilarious. Um, well, I got friends and stuff. And thankfully, my wife is is she, I mean, we wound up and we may get into this. I don't know if we even have time. But I mean, I, I, I eventually actually had an experience where, I mean, I'm an experiencer. I, I had a visit. And so mm-hmm. I know it's real because I've seen them. I've, they were touching me and I, I it wasn't a hallucination. It was not a ghost. Mm -hmm. It was, it was physical. Um, and my wife, she, she forgets a lot of what happened. We had three different occurrences in the same week. Uh, this was about seven and a half, almost eight years ago. Uh, when I started poking at the phenomena, you know, I joined MUFON, I started doing casework and I, I tried that CE five meditation thing. I did it myself. I knew how to meditate when I was younger and I told them, I said, I want to meet you and you can even abduct me if you want. That's a mistake. Don't say that. Don't send that out because, you know, I got the, you know, they kind of treated me like a lab rat and it, it was scary. I mean, I was hoping to meet nice humanoid, like valiant Thor or something, you know, and no, these little gray guys, emotionless, and they didn't even communicate. They had a job to do. It's like a surgical team. And they came in, they did their business, and they got out. And it took probably 15, 20 minutes max. I could not move. When I finally could move, I, I'm shaking Lisa awake. And she looks at me, and the, our room was still flooded with light, which is, you know, it was still flooded with light. But mm-hmm. she said, oh, my God, you joined this crazy UFO group. Is this what I have to look forward to? You know, <laughs> now, two nights later, the shoe is on the other foot. It's my wife who is shaking and waking me up. And again, our room was flooded with light. I wasn't mm-hmm. paralyzed. I could move. She was pacing back and forth. And she said, oh, my God, Earl, you need to tell your little friends. They need to leave us the alone. 
Mm. <laughs> she, uh, family, you know, show here. I won't use the word, but I mean, she was very, very disturbed and upset about it um, and kind of blamed me and probably with good reason. I mean, maybe I did bring it, you know, I mean, I'm the one that was poking at yeah. the phenomenon. It's But, so you know, for... I, the way I feel is if you poke at the phenomenon, don't be surprised if it pokes back. <laughs> and see, I'm also on on the I would like to meet them side of it but i also like have a firm rule that nothing is allowed to just come into my house and i think <laughs> that everyone feels uncomfortable when your house is invaded your privacy your sanctuary especially when you're vulnerable yeah. like there, that's it's not a invasion. good feeling no matter how interesting they may be no matter how intriguing they may be you're going to be upset about that um, you just can't I invited avoid it, that. though. I mean, I, you know, I mean, I invited it. I, I told them, come and take me. <laughs> you know? I mean, I was hoping I would meet like some nice, you know, tall white or something and that he would take me on a little cosmic tour of the universe. I was just very naive about about the whole thing back then. Of course, now I know better. <laughs> 900 cases later uh, that, that uh, yeah, you don't ask them to abduct you because they might. Yeah. yeah, I mean, and it's it's like their <laughs> rules are so different from ours. Like people can't keep using human thoughts and feelings to attribute mm -hmm. to something. Like we just don't know what their agenda is, right? We are only yeah. guessing and trying to come up with um, answers. We've already gone from you know they're probably these, these grays or you know totally aliens, whatever. To now, maybe they're not. Maybe they're created. Maybe they're avatars. Maybe they're robots. Mm -hmm. There's they and the truth is, you know, they don't express emotion well. And I have to remind people the way that we read and understand emotion is very human based. You know, like so we biological, they, and it right. was it was through through evolution is is where we got there. Right. Even, I wonder sometimes if they have a little factory somewhere and they churn these little gray guys out. I mean, you got to figure if you're if you're from another planet, uh, the, our 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 biosphere is probably deadly to you. I mean, uh, the pathogens and stuff. I mean, just Columbus going to visit the American Indians did not have a good outcome. You know, it, it wound up in smallpox and destruction. Uh, we won't even talk about Cortez. So I, I imagine that they, they must have some way of protecting themselves against uh, our microorganisms. And maybe that's the way they do it. They, they use avatar bodies and, uh, and, and uh, like, like biological robots. Yeah, they they we, sure seem robotic to me. I'll say that. Movies, they seem robotic. Like in our current sci-fi movies, we're showing how we're going to use robots to do surgeries. And actually, that is mm. a thing that's happening now. And nanobots, right? So this is like their version of nanobots and <laughs> yeah. doing the to do the work. But I don't know that I think that they are doing it um, because of fear of a virus. I think it's more likely they have such a small population um, mm. that they really need to protect it. And we are very dangerous. Every time, oh, we are. <laughs> yeah, every time you hear about the military being involved with these entities, they're either kidnapping the entity or shooting it. You yeah. know, so like obviously, if that's the response that we know about, then you know they would be protective of themselves. Yeah. <laughs> so, 
Well, what are the two messages that experiences or are, are experiencers are given over and over again? There's two things that they always warn us about ecological disaster that you're bringing upon yourselves and nuclear destruction uh, apocalypse that you guys bring about on your own that you guys do um every single person that i speak with that has telepathic con- communication with their entities uh, some of them are have been abducted multiple times visited multiple times other people it's just a one off like it was for me but they're always unequivocally given the same two messages. You know, you're destroying your planet. Your ecology is, is, is frail and you are, your biosphere is so, so rare and beautiful in the universe. And what a shame that you're treating it the way that you are. And then the other thing is, is you know, what's this with the nuclear weapons? Um, those are the two two constants from case to case to case, even still contemporaneously. I mean, that's what I hear from people when I interview them. You know, what was communicated to you, blah, it's it's always the same. So there's concern about us out there. It's interesting too. I've um, spoken to someone who was frequently abducted um, and she was shown, you know, the planet being poisoned. And I realized that them showing that to her was, in my opinion, and I felt really strongly about this when I talked to her, they were trying to explain what they were doing. They were Mm. trying to explain why she was abducted. Mm. (laughs) Like they were saying, you were abducted because of this. This is why it's happening. It's um, So I feel like we're getting messages and we're trying to understand them in human terms, but we aren't fully getting the whole sentence, you know, even, even things like cattle mutilations and crop circles and, and these objects coming up to our ships, they could be nonverbal messages, a form of attempted communication, even the lights in the sky, they could be like, why do they not understand what we're saying to them like why do they not understand when we switch the lights or do this you know movement why like why do they not what are, what is wrong with these like beasts on the ground that they don't get what we're saying you know yeah i mean i've heard i know some interesting people i, I just through my work <laughs> you know connected with the pentagon and else what um and and uh it seems like uh, there there is a you know I've 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 uh, <laughs> sorry I'm showing my age I, my my thought I just just like woo right out of my head there but I I you know uh, what you're what you're saying about about uh, the messaging that people get uh, I don't think that we are understanding what they're trying to say. And I think that one problem that we have is, is that apparently from what I've been told from different experiencers and different people, uh, humanity is disabled, that other cultures have mind-to-mind communication. And apparently we are the rarity that never developed that properly. And it's unusual. I mean, it, it, uh, I think that it, it's it's... A mystery to them they're trying to understand well how come they didn't develop this thing 
well, it's apparently we're common. We're trying. I know. So. Me too. I, it's we're a muscle it, but... you have to you have to work it. And I, I mean, I have a remote viewer friend, and we're we're trying telepathy stuff. You know, after hours, you know, he lives in a different state, and you know, and I'm I'm getting hits. He's getting hits, but it's but, a slow process. I'm I'm not very good at it. It's yeah. more than that, though. It, and actually, okay, so this has given me a lot of thoughts. But first of all, we're trying to just leap ahead with our technology. You know, when we're talking about putting things in our heads that are connected to computers, or and then eventually we'll be connected to another person, we're, we're doing it right now. You know, DARPA's got a project where, you know, you're trying to control things with your brain waves. Um, there's other companies, universities are doing this in droves right now, where they're trying to get people to control things with the brainwaves. The brain to computer interface is happening. So I don't know if we're following a guideline, you know, that was set for us to do, because we've just done this all very quickly within the last 200 years. This technological burst that we're doing seems really fast to me. Um, so we're either following a guideline or it's just inherent in all beings that we strive towards that. However when scary needed, it it'll may be. Provided, be. Maybe, you know, it's when you get to that point, the knowledge will be provided to you is perhaps what's going on with that. I mean, Ray Kurzweil's wonderful book, The Singularity, big, big, giant book. But I mean, Kurzweil thinks that uh, humanity is going to change just so much within the next 50 years, we might not even recognize ourselves if we saw ourselves 50 years from now. But he thinks that we're going to become one with our computers and that that's going to be the big opening of gates for for us and, and us becoming more than human. It's transhumanism, really, is what he's talking about. But it may be inevitable. I mean, it's either that or go back to the you know, the dark ages. I mean, we may bomb ourselves back to the dark ages. I hope not. I mean, I, I, my hope is, and I, I, from what I've heard from interesting people out there is that we are being helped, that we've been saved a few times, you know, that wars have been diverted, asteroids have been diverted, um, that we're not on our, we're not all alone out here. Um, I hope that's true. I hope well, that's true. Let's take a look at how much the moon has been hit compared to us. You know, like yes. the moon has literally just crater after crater after crater. And we hardly ever see anything. That's a little unusual. I mean, we do get occasional things, obviously. And some bizarre stories like, you know, someone has a an object land through their roof and on their bed. That happened to someone about a year ago. Yeah. That's oh, pretty. God. Yeah. So that's a little scary. But for the. For the most part, I think it's been like, oh, at least 100 years since we had a major near miss. Mm -hmm. And a near miss is enough to knock down trees. Um, yeah. And that, I think but it was. The sun's blast. Yep. It, it, it leveled 100 mi square miles of forestry. If that hit a, a major city, imagine. And yeah. or if it had been during the, the you know, the buildup to nuclear arms and that happened in Russia, imagine how they would have reacted. It, it could have, you know, I, I can't even think about it. It's just too disturbing. So, yeah. 
Well, hopefully we have our helpers out there. Hopefully we have our helpers here and they're helping us get through this over this bump that we have to get over between, I mean, we may actually be the missing link between humans and actual intelligence. You know, I mean, we still act like the primates that we came from way too much. I think, you know, I don't, you turn I don't on think... the news, you know. Yes, we have a lot of primate in us, but there's something else that is in us that is different from every other living thing on this planet. Yeah. Like the angel and the, beast. <laughs> yeah, there's the biggest thing that's different for us is the fact that we lay on a side, stare at the sky, and imagine falling into it or feel like we're falling into it, or hmm. that we even try to leave the planet. You are not going to find a gorilla that's mm -hmm. interested in leaving the planet. They're just not. They don't give a, they don't care. Yeah. <laughs> <You know? laughs> they just, they just, they're like, we're Want cool. that banana. That's, <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, they, they care more about their little, you know, group of gorillas. I don't remember what that's <laughs> called. Um, but, um, so they definitely don't have that desire. I think that's the biggest distinction. We, for some reason, want to get off the planet. We want to travel. We want to explore. It goes beyond just the desire to survive. Yes. We want to know what is on other planets. Like, what is that? Like, that's not a typical thing for other intelligence on this planet. So I have to think there's more to it. And I was going to tell you, when we were talking about this a little bit before we started recording, that I'm starting to think when Lou Elizondo made the reference to our DNA, that we might have had some kind of map to all of this put in our DNA at some point, and that we're hmm. following that map. And that's going to lead to our interstellar hmm. involvement. It's going to lead to things that we're doing now, by the way, at a very rapid pace, are making little biological gray robots you know it's gonna lead to all, <laughs> all these hope, things i hope that we you know eventually become like the ufo knots ourselves i mean i think that that's you know we see this and i i know that i i see that and i i'm hoping that humanity has a future like star trek you know not star wars star wars we don't we don't need right and i think that that's a, one of the big worries about us out there the greater cosmos is, is that we have this this addiction to war and 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 i i notice that that soldiers and sometimes people that are like police officers and things like that they they seem to have more aggressive um, contact with our visitors. Um, usually people aren't taken up to a craft and threatened, but I, I've, I've heard this from a few, like a, I have a Marine that was abducted from his bunk at Camp Pendleton and, and he was taken up to a craft and they told him, well, you see, we've taken control over your body and now we're going to take your soul. And they didn't take his soul and they, they did, you know, it's catch and release program. He's back here on earth. So they didn't keep him. What were they doing? I think they were interested in his reaction. How does a warrior react to this? How does, is, is he going to threaten us? Is he going to get violent? Um, what this gentleman did was, was he actually started praying. He started praying for the beings. He was praying for God. And, and the next thing he knows he's, he's back 
in his his bunk and or in his in his barracks he wasn't in, he wasn't delivered to his bunk he was delivered to the middle of his barracks and his bunkmate found him like huddled up in, in 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 like a little ball in the middle of the you know the rest of the the rest of this the guy that his friends were on leave but uh anyway it's it's and i've i've seen this with a few different cases when it seems like military people are treated a little differently and i think there's a question about how we can actually turn around and, and have compassion for each other and yet we're able to kill each other. And I think that that's a mystery. And I think it's something that maybe they want to change in us. I don't, I don't know. I know that a lot of them um, kind of push the vegetarian agenda. They don't understand that, you know, the eating of meat, even like the experiencers come back and they never want to eat meat again. And Mm. I just want to remind them that we were designed this way. Like if they want to help us not eat meat, please, by all means, give us other supplements. We haven't gotten to that point. (laughs) Like people say that, you know, they just don't eat the same way that we do. When, when you hear the um, stories of, you know, the star or sky people living among us, you know, they just don't eat like we do. They don't sleep like we do. They just don't fully get us so it's kind of like they don't they don't even know know. i mean the friend's case that was in italy back in the 1950s i I think the late 50s um the whole town was involved there was apparently an alien base that was underground and they were bringing food and wine and 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 there were no dietary restrictions to those ets that were visiting it's it's a good case I, i i sort of really like that one but of course, they were. You know, they looked sort of like us. I mean, they were. Some were taller, like eight foot tall, apparently. Uh, some mm. were shorter than us, but they they were humanoid, and and they apparently had the same uh, system, similar to what we have. Um, parallel evolution. I, I don't know. Yeah, you know, but but well, we are I mean, omnivores. Our teeth were designed that way. I know exactly. Yeah. Like I, I would prefer not to eat meat too but first of all you need to give me something else that's gonna give me what i need in my body like you know supplement the iron and whatever and we just haven't created that pill that we could just go live our life with that nutritional pill and frankly i've also read books where um i would question that pill anyway like i'm just thinking (laughs) of soylent green right now if you guys know what that is it kind of disturbs me to think about it but yeah so I don't know. I think we. this is one of our things that we do that we're comforted by. And just like we don't understand them, they probably still don't understand us completely because they probably have very different brains. Yeah. Well, you know, I mean, one idea is, is that, you know, there, there are certain races that have lived here with us from antiquity, the Watchers, if you you know, are familiar with a book of Enoch. Uh, it, it's, it's interesting reading. And uh, there, there are those that believe that, that we have ETs that are living here among us uh, in human bodies, the avatar thing. And, uh, you know, obviously they're, they're kind of in, they're, they're enjoying life the way that we enjoy life. Um, so I, I, I don't know, but I do know people that have, have come back from their experiences and, and have become vegetarians, become pacifists. Um, and, and I, I do think the, the pacifism thing 
is is a good idea. I mean, we're, when when you can destroy the planet and you can destroy it two hundred times over, like we can right now, um, something has to happen to change that. You know, the balance of power is too fragile. Somebody's going to make a mistake. I mean, it's nearly happened a few times. You know, they had a the uh, Soviet Union had a, a rogue submarine captain that was going to lose his ICBMs at, at, at our nation, you know, at one point. And it was stopped, but barely. You know, the hunt from red, for Red October was was based on on a real story. But the real story, the guy was crazy. I mean, he was, you know, he wanted to come to the American shore and he was he was going to launch his, his, his missiles at us. Um, so, I, you know, something has to happen. It's too easy f- for us to destroy ourselves now. Um, and, so this change you know, has to happen. So there, you know, it's worth mentioning the ultra terrestrial hypothesis that yeah. these beings <laughs> live on this planet. So even if originally they were not from this planet, they live here now like and some people think they're just like a breakaway civilization and you know we had so many different hominids on the planet like people forget that all of us are hominid hybrids you know like like i have a lot of neanderthal (laughs) neanderthal dna is yes i have a lot of it like apparently higher than most people i wonder what that means for me Uh, often you know i really mm. question that so i am a super neanderthal hybrid (laughs) Cool. Yeah. So, um, like, I think I forget the percentile, but it's like seventy-five percent. Wilma. I know. I know. Right. (laughs) What does that mean for me? Does that make me closer to you know the experiment that was done on us, or you know what does it mean? So, anyhow, I don't know. But But um, it's interesting, isn't it? But yeah, like, we had hobbits, you know, they were there. Yes. They called them the hobbits. Yeah, those were so cool. Smaller and than pygmies, apparently. Very strange. About, yeah, 3.5 <laughs> feet tall, mm-hmm. you know. And, you know, people really underestimate, um, or I should say overestimate our knowledge of this planet. Like, they really think that we understand everything when we're still discovering things. We still, it was only, what, 10 years ago that we mapped our own DNA fully? (laughs) And what, like, 20 years ago that we understood that DNA was what made us living? (laughs) (laughs) So, like, crazy. Like, I mean, it wasn't until the 1800s that they finally, they, they said that things do not, rocks don't fall out of the sky. And and they would they would ridicule you and pretty much treat you like somebody is treated now if they say they've been abducted by aliens, right? Mm-hmm. If you said that a meteor fell, that it was a rock falling out of the sky, I think it was 1880 or something when finally there was a town in France where there were they had like a there were like 600 meteor strikes and they finally had to accept the fact that yes, rocks do fall out of the sky. We were wrong. Science was wrong. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep, and it was science has th- been wrong quite a few times. You know, it was like late 1800s when they accepted that gorillas exist, even though <laughs> obviously indigenous people told them there were gorillas. They didn't believe it until hmm. they, you know, went and captured one or something. You know, so like if if people don't realize how much they're taking for granted you know like it's like oh there's so much left for us to learn right they're yes. still trying to understand the brain like i 
I'm blown away by the idea that if you split the two sides of the brain, you essentially have two personalities as a result. And that one side of your brain is going to have differing opinions and views than the other. And they showed this in tests that they did. Like one side is like, you know, more politically left and the other is more politically right ironically right you know it's just like <laughs> things like that they're finding out like and so realize that we exist now with two personalities melded into one right now at this moment the two halves of our brain are melding together to make us who we are like people don't get like they're taking things like this for granted <laughs> yeah how interesting huh but yeah, you're right. I mean, the the two, you know, the, the you got the left you know, side of the brain, and the, and the right side, and you know, it's it's one side is mathematics, the other side is language, uh, and, and art, and and it's very strange, isn't it? I mean, we're we're a very we're, I mean, the the humans, I mean, we have different living creatures in our bodies that help us. To, to live, I mean, down to things like, you know, the way that we process food, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, yeah. it's, it's very, very strange, but we're, we're not just, you know, Gumby that was made out of clay, you know, um, it's, 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 we, we love to simplify things, but we're very complex creatures. We must be quite the mystery to our visitors. You know, mm -hmm. I think yep. that we're mysterious to them as they are to us, maybe more so. You know, and I wonder, though, this is something that I have to ask. How many times do you need to take a human being before you understand a human being? Like, I don't think you need that many. So it's got to no, be something. So. Yeah, something it's else be is going on. Else. We're being retooled, I think. Uh, you know, people at, at one time, it seemed like the DNA farming was the main uh, thrust, the, the gist of what was going on. Uh, if somebody was was abducted or visited, they, they would take their ovum or sperm. We don't hear that so much anymore. In fact, I haven't had a case like that. In, it, I'll, I'll get cases like that where they're talking about their experiences like 20 years ago. But now we find people are getting downloads. They're getting informational downloads. Um, I had one police officer who was, he, he was literally abducted from his cruiser while he was on duty. He, and he, he was very honest. He explained to his captain and to his, to his colleagues wh why they weren't able to get a hold of him on the radio for, you know, 40 minutes. Leave it to you to get abducted while on duty, you know, is the joke that was going around. But he... Uh, he had this series of dreams over the period of a month where he would fall asleep and he had hyper-realistic dreams where he saw a little diminutive gray hand holding it like a school, like a professor's pointer, was teaching him about zero-point energy on a blackboard. And when I was talking to this guy, he said, well, this went on for an entire month. And you have to realize I was a D minus student in math. I, I hated math, but suddenly I, I understood, you know, calculus and these, these, you know, high mathematical concepts. At the end of the month, he was given a message. We're going to take this knowledge away now, but it's locked in your head. And when humanity needs it, it's going to come back. 
So he put in a MUFON report. He had he had kind of a <laughs> agenda. He said, "Well, I want to get hypnotically regressed so I can get the formulae back because you know maybe I can make a fortune with this zero point energy thing, you know, and get rid of the oil barons out there." And so that yeah, well, I you know I did give him like a little list of of people that did you know hypnotherapists and stuff. Uh, but yeah, I thought that was interesting. Earl, how maybe that's how they map our DNA. Maybe. I, maybe. Is he is he set to have offspring? Is he set to do what? Have offspring? <laughs> is he oh, gonna... I, I don't know. I, I don't know that much about the, the, the person. I, I mean, I kind of had his case. I listened to his his story. I did the the research and everything. I, I got him to the right people, and but then I was off to the next case. I, I'm so busy with with all the people that that uh, um, because so many people are are experiencing this. So many people are having contact, and there's nobody to talk to. If you if you go to your psychologist, they they may put you away. You know, people well, are scared they're going to be you know. Committed. You know I'm working it. on that, Earl. You know I'm working on that. I know working... you are. I, I'm all for you guys. You know. Yeah. Um, um, so <laughs> I was going to say that it occurs to me, you know, of course a lot of people don't remember the the downloads, but for me, uh, my experiences are a little different. I have zero memory of ever being abducted, but I do feel like sometimes I have a message just kind of dropped on my lap and sometimes not at a convenient time or maybe i'm just like really open to thinking about things in a broad way i don't really know how to put it but like i'm i'm trying as of late not to refrain from saying what it is okay like so lately i've just been like this is what came to my mind you know um i'm at a stage in my life where i'm just like this thought is going through my head right now i feel like i need to share this um so i don't i guess that's kind of like downloads but for me it's like different stuff you know like i'll conjecture something it's it's almost like a dialogue if that makes sense hmm. yeah well i know after i had my experience that suddenly my empathy was enhanced um, some people would, would call me an empath, but I felt people's pain, their joy. I seemed, it seemed like there was more of a connectedness between me and other people. Um, I seemed to have an ability to connect the dots, like, in, like uh, intuition was enhanced. Um, mm -hmm. I, I, uh, I started having synchronicities, meaningful coincidences would happen where I would be thinking about an author and I'd be in the grocery store, turn around and there he is the person I wanted to meet, or I get a phone call, you know, <laughs> Earl, I'm having lunch with Jacques Vallée tomorrow. How would you like to meet? You know, I mean, that stuff doesn't normally happen to me. And, and I feel like something changed. Uh, they did something. Um, and I'm glad, you know, I mean, 70, we, we did a, a we did a blind study with Edgar Mitchell's free group, uh, the ERT did some years back, um, where we spoke with, you know, hundreds and hundreds of experiencers and, and we compared what results we got. And regardless of whether they had had, uh, they felt like their abductors were malevolent or benevolent. 
70% of the experiencers said that they were glad that the experience had happened. That if, the, if we, we gave them the choice, we said, if you could make this so it never happened to you, would you, would you choose that? 70% said, no, I'm, you know, and, and some of these people are horrified by the whole thing, you know, but given the choice, they said no, because now I, I understand that, that something greater is happening on this planet than I knew about before. And, uh, and I thought that was an interesting, interesting thing, that 70% number. That's a lot of people that are glad that they were abducted. <laughs> you know? So, you know, I think in my case, I think I'm just glad that I found people to have some of the more important conversations with, you know, like mm -hmm. the, some of the people that, for instance, one thing that I've always wondered is what is at the edge of the universe? Because I mm -hmm. can't accept that it is, you know, infinite. I just can't. It's not. There's no way, right? There's something. Mm -hmm. And just because we don't know what it is and don't know what to call it, doesn't mean that there's not something around the universe. What is it, right? I mean, so, if, if you travel all the way to the edge, you see the back of your head, maybe. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's what right. I was told. Someone remote viewed it, and they tried to go to the edge of the universe, and they were basically um, boomeranged back to where they came from, so to speak. <laughs> and, and as someone who plays video games, there's this thing called the invisible wall. So... Mm -hmm when you go at the edge of what the creator has created in the game, you can't get past the invisible wall. It just keeps you from looking on the other side because the creator's like, nope, that we didn't have time to finish that. But it doesn't um, mean that you're like unable to explore, you know, the rest of the world, you know, you're fine with everything else, hmm. but but also the game is within your game system, within your house, within the state, within the country, within the planet, you know, so on and so forth. Mm -hmm. There's things outside of that game. So I just, I wonder what's outside the universe and what other community can talk about that. I, you know, and I, 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 I like to, and I allow myself to think, about this phenomena outside of the context of them being astronauts from other planets. I'm kind of like Valet myself, just to quote Jacques Valet, he said, if I find out that they're just at just astronauts from other planets, I'm going to be disappointed. I mean, his he's got like, it could be us from the future. Mm -hmm. It could be... Um, a control system that was built into evolution and we set it off and, and UFOs are the way that it manifests and, and controls uh, where our, our future evolution is going um, like a control system in a computer. You know, I, I like that. <laughs> I like that idea, but I think that it's something bigger than just ETs from other planets. It might just be ETs from other planets, but I kind of, I don't know, the longer I spend with this phenomena, the stranger it gets. And there are so many, you know, I mean, it, I think it's so weird that, that when you have an experience that you start, uh, you know, for myself, the synchronicities and, and, and enhanced uh, empathy and things, uh, it feels like I'm, I'm sort of reflecting the same gifts that are usually attributed to our visitors themselves, right? 
Um, and maybe it's a cosmic contagion that we need to catch to survive ourselves and to go into the future and, and to become spacefaring and become like them someday. That, that's what I hope anyway. Uh, it, but it seems very strange to me that this, this incident happened and it changed me as a person so deeply and, and that I, I, I live differently than I used to. I, I'm, I'm more intuitive than I used to be. Um, it was you know, a catalyst. And when you say the word intuitive, I keep wanting to mention, you know, what Gary Nolan has discovered. Right? I love Gary Nolan. He spoke yes. to our group recently, by the way. Oh, that's interesting awesome. guy. Right. Yeah. So with the, the, the caudate potamen and in the basal ganglia and all that, um, he has noticed that intuition has, you know, people with that one little mass in that area seem to have increased intuition and that there's like a mm -hmm. biological imperative for people who have that to be together and to have offspring with it. Um, wow. So, so <laughs> like, that's what he told us when we um, had him speak to us in New York um, at the anomalous um, conference there. Um, so I feel like if, if there is something encoded in our DNA, this is like the physical um, repercussion that we're starting to see. Hmm. You know, the, there's actually a physical indicator and it's starting to develop and it's starting to evolve. Hmm. And, you know, maybe it was just a mutation. Maybe that's possible, right? But it's a mutation mm -hmm. that results in people being more intuitive and those people are more successful and they're doing well financially as a result of that. I'll take that, that mutation. You know? Right. A lot of people <laughs> I'll take that. that. Yeah. A lot of people said, can you do this to us? Like, you know, a lot of people are like, I, I would like some more money, you know, like, yeah. you know, a lot of well, people. How about, you know, it's so interesting. Okay. The hypothalamus part of the brain, uh, which is a, they're they're seeing it as a seat of emotions and 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 there are these two little antennae projectiles that are that come out from it, and people are are thinking of that as as literal antennas that maybe this is the seat of psychic uh, telepathy and and all of that weird interesting stuff that that we really need, you know, <laughs> to survive ourselves and to become more than we are right now. Um, and so maybe that that is very possibly part of what's going on that we're being enhanced. Um, I, I, I think that way a lot. You know, I think that it's more than just aliens coming here and doing doing air shows and and picking up hitchhikers because they they are are nasty and just like to you know do that. I think something is deeper is going on and uh, maybe it's, it's, it's setting us on a new course and, 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 and further evolving us as, as a species. And uh, I, I think that way anyway. Well, hmm. I'm thinking about the technology that they use, which is often wave oriented, you know, mm -hmm. the EM waves, um, the frequencies, yeah. the beams of light, that affect people significantly, um, you know, even the radiation, that's a gamma rays, right? So yeah. you have to, like, 
the hallucinations that people sometimes have, right? Because some people mm -hmm. say that they've had a hallucination. It's not a physical thing that happens to them. They know mm -hmm. it's not. That could be caused by electromagnetic technology also. Sure. The, the feelings of euphoria or the feelings of um, fear, those are caused by responses to electromagnetic stuff. And obviously the physical side effects that people get again from like gamma radiation and so on. Mm -hmm. So all of that is wave technology. So if you're thinking in terms of our species being evolved by these people, right? Or beings or mm -hmm. one of these groups of beings, because there's so many. <laughs> um, you can call them people, I think. They're they're yeah, they're well like I, I definitely I definitely ways, think so. they're people. Like I like yeah. I've seen pictures of them and I'm like, oh that's a person. You know, like mm -hmm. to me they're people. But what I'm saying is they their their flybys may actually just be like they're throwing down those waves and trying to change our brains mm -hmm. or something. Which well, people is, have a close encounter with a craft experience the Oz effect as well as 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 uh, abductees and visitees. Mm -hmm. um, I, I I can name so many different cases where uh, I had one case where a family they were in their car. And they noticed, a, the, the young son noticed a, a UFO in the sky, he pointed it out, said, Mom, what's that? She looks at it. She said, what is that? And it's almost like it activated it. it. It came right down. It was right on top of their car. And time became very weird for them. The mom, she's like in her 80s now, but sharp as a tack. You know, these guys are all grown up now, right? This happened 1975. But uh, they've, they've been thinking about it all their lives, the three brothers and the mom. And she said it was the most beautiful thing I've ever seen. I couldn't take my eyes off of this flying saucer is what it was. Uh, it was this beautiful, creamy color. But the thing is, is I, I lost all track of time. I mean, we were sitting there at a red light and it seemed like we were there in some ways, like five minutes or it could have been an hour or even longer than that. Uh, I, I'm, you know, time became weird for us. Um, they all noticed that there was a guy crossing the street and he had, it was, it was crossing a crosswalk and he had his foot extended and he was just standing there on one foot with a foot extended, like time had stopped outside of their car. And maybe it had, I mean, I think that our visitors are masters of matter, time and space. And, yeah. uh, you know, when you have a close encounter with a craft, uh, it, it has the same effects that you will experience in, in, a, in an abduction scenario. Time is weird. Um, people will, will, will be given arcane knowledge that they didn't have before. Uh, they're, they're left with gifts. Uh, it, it's very, very weird. But I, exactly what you're saying, I, I think it's the same thing. I don't think it's something different. I think it's I'd changing us by contact. Right. So, and that could be, again, that control mechanism that Valet always talks about, that this is yeah. how it's happening. <laughs> and that might be the message. And we are just missing it. You know, like we're not Good understanding. And, and it's like, you know, for, an, for instance, when the big triangle was going over the, you know, the Phoenix area, they might have been like, hey, everyone down there, we're sending you some waves of knowledge. <laughs> well, people... <laughs> People expressed that they had telepathic contact with that that craft. 
Right. That people were given messages like, don't worry, this is this this is not aggressive. We we're not going to harm you is the same stuff that people hear when they're taken from their bedrooms. So I have to figure it's the same thing that's going on and it's changing us, I think. And when you think about it, humans use the same technology, like TV, radio, it's the same thing, right? Mm -hmm. And in fact, you know, I keep mentioning quantum computing is coming and that's using the wave technology going from, you know, Hmm light to you know sound and vice versa whatever like all of that and you of course with the guitar i'm sure you know all about the sound waves and how they (laughs) impact us um so yeah i think that um we're almost on the brink of all of that ourselves if we're doing quantum computers we're really close and i know that um some smart people probably in underground bunkers or tinkering already doing it they already have it i'm sure i mean they're 60 years ahead of what they're telling the public i think uh is is the rough estimation of it but when yeah they're they're always ahead of the mark you know right i'm a lay person (laughs) if i know that the wave function is the key to everything then some much smarter person is doing it. You're for sure. Yeah, I agree. (laughs) And if it's already starting to show up on YouTube where people are talking about going from one type of wave to another, oh yeah, they're doing it. I've already heard, by the way, that I think it's like in the near the gamma wave area is when they start making matter from waves and like something to do Hmm. with like, that's what happens on the sun. Like matter matter gets made from Mm -hmm. waves and i don't really know how that works but (laughs) how interesting you know caroline uh corey when she worked uh when she did her film uh tear in the sky with with kevin um kevin day Mm -hmm. and 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 the scientists out there i mean they they had very very good scientific equipment out there and they they detected gamma rays they saw something that looked like a an opening open up in the sky. There were physical objects inside of it, and they believed that it was a wormhole that opened up. And uh, I, I, I have an interesting uh, video and photo a guy in the UK sent me where you see an object. It's hanging there in the air. It looks like a black cloud is behind it, perfectly blue sky. But there's this one little black cloud. It's almost like this thing is casting a shadow, but there's nothing for it to cast a shadow on. Mm -hmm. And then you see this thing enter that shadow and it disappears. It closes up. It's all blue skies from there on out. And I would be willing to bet you that that was emitting gamma rays because I think they're using wormhole technology, which is a black hole. It's like a mini black hole. Uh, the only things that can emit gamma rays uh, is like a neutron star or a black hole. Those, those to, are the only two objects. To, to go to the unfortunate side of that, we do have a lot of people who are interested in UFOs or are involved in this topic end up with family members or themselves having cancer. Yeah. And I just wonder a lot about that. A lot of people who just end up having cancer out of the blue. Um, So I don't know if that would be a reason for them to be super invested in studying us and try to figure out how to prevent that. Because if they're a civilization that creates something that's so deadly to us, they can't fully communicate with us. They're the danger to us in that case. Yeah. 
Um, and of course, immune immune system disorders too. I mean, there seems to be a lot of people that who are experiencers that wind up with MS and 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 things like that. I, I've I've noticed that, and uh, I I wonder. I think there may be a connection. Um, that's disturbing, but uh, well, maybe the answer for that is is up ahead. You know, that that's what I hope. Well, I don't know but if you've the, ever gotten to talk to Travis Walton, but I like I remember mm-hmm. I haven't watched a lot of his interviews, but I watched one where he said, I think that they messed up when they hit me with that beam and they were trying to fix me. And mm-hmm. the fact that they didn't know how deadly they could be to us even then, and that was the 70s, you know, like that means they, mm-hmm. yeah, they had some things left to figure out. But you know, yeah. right now, if they're making these biological entities that are coming, can they work on making them look less scary to people? Like I personally <laughs> am, am not frightened by a gray, but maybe they thought they were looking like, looked like puppies or something. Cause they're, they're obsessed with our dogs. You hear story yeah. after story where they're trying to kidnap a dog. So mm. if they could get these entities to look more like puppies, maybe we would be less scared. <laughs> Well, the screen memories are usually four foot tall owls or dewy eyed deer and things like okay, that. Okay, but who's cartoon not, characters? But children, who's not scared of know. a four foot tall owl? Come on. Yeah, I know. I think I would freak out a little bit. Well, there's no such thing in biology, but but apparently the, the screen memories uh, there there are. So yeah, and and apparently they also use a lot of um, people who have passed for screen memories, and I was thinking. I had the thought the other day, what if a lot of ghost sightings are actually just really weak screen memories being thrown out Hmm. to the public so no one notices that grays are walking around in public? (laughs) (laughs) I'm kind of, I lean a lot towards the interdimensionalist point of, you know, hypothesis. So they may just be right, right here, right next to us, but you can't see them because it's the next dimension over. It gets mm-hmm. rid of things like Fermi's paradox and and, and mm-hmm. stuff. Not that that's a real problem. I know Fermi, mm-hmm. you know, uh, is isn't God. But but uh, anyway, it's it's something to think about. <laughs> well, you know, it's interesting is that people forget that if something's using a portal, it doesn't have to be using it from another point in space. It could be using it from another dimension. Like the people forget that mm-hmm. dimension also means time. Like time is considered dimension. Yes. So like there, people. Oh, I just feel like I've watched a lot of science programs since I started studying UFOs. <laughs> like mm-hmm. I feel like if you don't go down that path a little bit, you're doing yourself a disservice. <laughs> yes, I agree. <laughs> Although. It is hard to imagine. I read uh, Flatlanders as a kid. It is Hmm. hard to imagine. You know, that's that's part of the problem for us, right? Um, Imagining a different dimension as a a physical thing. That's why, you know, it's actually going to be more than four when we finally figure it all out. I know that some people say it's like up to what six or something at least nine i think is nine okay yeah so and I, I have other people that, that say it's like a mandelbrot fractal that it just keeps branching off and branching off and it, mm-hmm. ad infinitum it just keeps going and going and going and well fractals work that way so why wouldn't the universe work that way itself 
you know, right. Arthur C. Clarke called the Mandelbrot fractal, the, the thumbprint of God. And, you know, that is Arthur Clarke. So very smart man. Mm -hmm. um, so, so maybe the universe is constructed like a Mandelbrot fractal zoom and it just keeps going and going and just branches off every time you make a, a major decision, your doppelganger and the other, you know, the other dimensions went the, and, and decided to do the opposite thing. Um, well, it, you know, I've, you can go nuts I'm, thinking about this stuff probably. So this is, this is where like, I, I tend to believe that every hypothesis has truth to it right mm -hmm. and and one of them is you know the idea that everything is multi-dimensional and everything is happening at one moment in time and everything happens in many places and the reason that i think that is because i think you have only so much energy you have mm -hmm. only so much matter to deal with and work with and you have an excessive amount of what I call, you know, consciousness entities or whatever. So in order to solve the problem of having only so many places to put that, the thing that you would do is have that one consciousness go into many places at once, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, it does make sense, actually. So, I mean, in a universe, in an infinite universe, there's infinite choices, you know. Mm. Um, you know, I mean, it, it it may be anything that you can think of is is real somewhere, you know. Well, yeah. <laughs> and, and honestly. You throw up, you throw up the, the, you know, the, the components of a car in the air enough, you know, times through millions and millions and millions of years, eventually it's going to come together as a car and land there, you know, ready to go. So <laughs> theoretically and anyway. And again, this is how we're different from all other living beings on our planet, because we're sitting here trying to understand how our consciousness could exist in thousands and thousands of places at one time. And they're not. <laughs> <laughs> i i don't think there are any gorillas thinking about this problem right now <laughs> <laughs> well you shouldn't lose sleep over it anyway no right? no i don't i don't although hmm. the edge of the universe one really i'm so curious hmm. like i really want to know what's on the outside there was and an like, edge to the universe my cat would have knocked everything off of it by now anyway oh, right you know so it's funny <laughs> Because, <laughs> and you know, I was thinking, of course, of the, the restaurant at the end of the universe, but that was oh. more about literally the universe ending, not so much the edge. <laughs> yeah. Thanks for the fish. Douglas Adams. Great stuff. Yes. So, yes. Yep. Yep. Well, that could be a problem, you know, in those books, you know, I believe it was uh, the mice were the real rulers and the dolphins <laughs> right. left us. And, and <laughs> you know, I, I think sometimes the non-human intelligence is more interested in Bigfoot than us. Maybe. Um, so who knows? But then again, I also just tend to think maybe we're just a big Petri dish with a whole bunch yeah. of stuff going on. So yeah, it's probably, probably correct. Yeah. They, <laughs> I know they like our plants. They take them like all, every time they can. They find yeah. our dogs and our plants. They're fascinated by our dogs and our plants. Well, we we have a we have such a rich biosphere, and that's one thing that I've heard that's communicated to people and has been communicated to me is that they love our world is 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 a rare diamond of a world that the. the 
that our biosphere is just so uh, just it, it, it it's crazy just how many different creatures and plants and and everything it, it's just a cornucopia and maybe that's you know maybe we're like a, a vacation spot you know it seems like we're a hub I mean, they keep coming here. <laughs> you know, you know it makes I don't me think it's just to do air shows. I don't think it's just to, you know, pester us and, and be juvenile delinquent aliens or something. Um, that something deep is going on here. And, and oh, here's, another, be... here's another example of how we could have been messed with in terms of our DNA. If we were more like our gorilla family members, you know, we would be appreciating that planet. That's but true. But if you mess with our DNA and take us away from being like the gorillas, suddenly we're beings that hardly ever interact with our planet other than to pollute it. Yeah, that's sad. Well, I hope they're benevolent. I hope that they, and I hope that they are successful, whatever it is that they're doing. Um, because I keep hearing over and over and over again that the concern is is that we are possibly going to destroy ourselves. And here we are, it's, you know, 40, uh, how many years since Roswell? It's 75 years or something now. And, and you know, we still churn out the alien invasion movies, but who's our, who are our greatest foes and who's our greatest risk of destroying life here? It, comes down to us again you know i mean here we are you know saber rattling with russia and china <laughs> you know and i mean it's just like this never-ending bad story and and i hope that that they're successful if they that is their concern and that's what they're trying to do uh, i hope that they are successful in in their mission if that's to save us and to get us to evolve and become more peaceable uh, human beings and we are i guess we'll find out <laughs> well i will say this as someone who's spent my whole life studying humans for whatever reason <laughs> that we're all very much more alike than we are different and we really should appreciate how special we are um so i i hope i you know i hope you're right that we're going to see good things and and in the end i hope we just have more answers yes yep Yep. So, Earl, thank you so much for coming and talking to me today. I think it was fantastic. I know there's like a bajillion more things we need to talk about. And at some point, I hope we'll get another chance because, for instance, we didn't even get to talk about the booming and growing ufology education that is happening in our country now and other countries, including Germany. Um, hopefully, we'll get to touch on that again in the future. Yeah, I would be thrilled to come back. So anytime, Deb. Yes, thank you so much. And can you please tell people where they can reach you? Um, sure. Um, well, you can find me on Facebook. I'm just Earl Gray, but you know it says I'm Mufon's uh, state director of Southern California, and there's usually aliens or something on my profile picture. You know, it's pretty. I'm pretty easy to find. Uh, if you want to email me, uh, you can email me at earlgrayanderson at uh, gmail.com. And that's spelled G-R-E-Y, and Anderson is S-O-N. Um, those are the two best ways to get a hold of me. I'm also on LinkedIn, and uh, you can find me there as Earl Gray Anderson. Um, that, that 
should work. So, <laughs> and come out to Alien Con if you're living nearby Los Angeles. This Saturday, I'm on uh, uh, two different panels. I'm on one panel with my dear friend Paul Heineck. And that we're, we're going to have fun because we always wind up cracking each other up. So that's going to be fun. And I'm also on uh, the uh, MUFON uh, panel that they have going on. So right. come out to AlienCon, say hello to me. If I'm not speaking, I'll be at the MUFON uh, booth in the merch room. So that's another way to meet me. I'm so jealous right now, by the way. I just wanted to say that I've started to put out into the universe that I'm looking for a young, rich, Robert Bigelow version <laughs> of my future husband. <laughs> so I can go to all these conferences. Because I they, like someone who just wants to support my research. And like just let me sit around at home reading about UFOs and going to conferences. <laughs> Yeah, that sounds that sounds like fun. <laughs> I know, like you know, it's one day it could happen. One can dream. Yeah, yeah. But so in the meantime, though, everyone, please go check out uh, the conference with Earl. Um, and I believe that's also getting streamed. Isn't that also something that people can access virtually? I'm not sure. I know that the MUFON Symposium is streamable. I'm not sure about AlienCon. I don't think they have it streamable, but I could be wrong. I could be wrong. So okay. um, I guess I should look into that. It was I was on uh, Ancient Aliens uh, two weeks ago, mm-hmm. and I think that they, I was sort of a late addition to AlienCon. I think that the guys that put it together finally realized, oh, wait a minute, this is the guy we had on the show. Oh, can you talk? Can you be on the panels? You know, it's like, yeah, yeah, sure. You know. So, but also I should mention if anything I've been talking about sounds familiar to you, if you feel like you've had ET contact or you've seen a UFO and you want to report it, go to MUFON.com. The front page right there on the website will say report a UFO or report uh, an entity encounter or abduction. And uh, that will get you to the right person and somebody like me, or maybe even me, if you're in California, uh, we'll take your case and uh, interview you, and uh, um, I, I take it very, very seriously, and so do my colleagues. So, I think a lot of people don't realize, um, and I'll just point this out, that MUFON is helping experiencers with the ERT mm-hmm. group, um, and that is on the UFO Connector, if anyone wants to find the link for that also, um, under the Experiencer Support page. Um, links. So I, I appreciate that MUFON does that. I think MUFON is probably our biggest and oldest group for all things UFO. Um, pretty long standing at this point. So thank you so much for being a part of that. And helping My pleasure. <laughs> and to everyone else who's listening, thank you so much for listening today. This was Deb from Deb's Data Dojo, part of the Calling All Beings Podcast Network. You can find me at Study of UAPs all over social media, including LinkedIn and Twitter and Facebook. And you can also find me at the UFOConnector.com and with the UAP Medical Coalition. Or you can find me with Calling All Beings on YouTube. Thank you so much. Take care, everyone. 